United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Joining me now, Ambassador Makila James is Senior Advisor with the Africa Center at the United States Institute of Peace, here to discuss the recent elections in Nigeria. Ambassador, good morning. Good morning, Julie. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? Fine, thanks. Fine, thanks. So you were uh, an on-the-ground observer for these elections in Nigeria. Yes, I was uh, privileged to be an on-the-ground observer. Um, it was a very historic election, and certainly um, the people had their say. Um, we were uh, invited to participate along with a lot of local domestic observers. And I can say the bottom line oh. to me was that the INEC the people who ran the elections um, did not really meet the public's reasonable expectations, nor did they rise to the challenge of the moment. But despite all of that, people did come out and vote, and some very interesting new trends were observed in this election. Ah, tell us about it. New trends. Well, I'd say the first new trend was that um, a lot of young people were very energized and interested in being a part of this election. Mm. Um, about 93 million people overall registered for the election, 87 million picked up their tickets, their rather their cards to actually vote. But of those, of that 87, about 10 million were new voters, totally new voters. And 80% of that 10% was really young people. So young people showed up and voted. And that was a really new development for Nigeria. The other new trend was that they used a lot of new technology. Nigeria was determined to try to get this election right. And so the National Election Committee actually approved Um, the use of voter identification technology, that was really a game changer. It prevented the kind of overvoting, the kind of voter identification fraud that has been uh, a perennial problem in previous Nigerian elections. And so there was really a a bit of confidence going into the process that only registered voters would vote. And by and large, I think that's what we saw. Of course, the technology failed at the end of the day in uploading and transmitting the results, and that created great frustration. But the initial plan to use technology was a game changer to inspire people to come out and vote because they knew that they would be allowed to vote and there wouldn't be a lot of ghost voters. So that was the second, uh, I think, relatively new thing. And I think the third thing that was really significant was that this election for the first time had three really strong party candidates running. You had uh, the president-elect, Bola Tinabu of the All Africans People Congress. Um, he represented um, a large section of the country uh, coming from uh, the southern part of the country. Um, Atiku Abubakar, representing the People's Democratic Party, um, representing many northerners, and a newcomer to, the, to um, the Labor Party, Mr. Peter Obi. Peter Obi made this a three-horse race, and that was really quite significant because each of the candidates got about 12 of the states at the end of the day, although there's a lot of dispute right now about how fair the voting was, how accurate the uploading was, and at least two of the candidates are prepared to go to court, um, Mr. Peter Obi and Atiko Abubakar. But this three-horse race means that more Nigerians are interested in the process. The two-party system may be fading out. We may start to see more diverse elections, more inclusive elections. So all of that was very historic. So... uh, Ambassador, it, was it those questions about about the, the the voting, the tabulation? Is that leading to discussions of a recount or, or throwing out the results or put the results in question? Is, was that what it was? Well, it starts from the fact that 
there was great enthusiasm for this election because of the three candidates, and particularly Peter Obi's candidacy, which brought out a lot of young people. Um, his followers who called themselves obedience began something that they called the obedient movement. And there was a lot of enthusiasm that their candidate was going to prevail because young people are very frustrated um, because of the, the challenges the country continues to face. Unemployment's very high. Um, there's still quite a lot of concern about um, the level of service delivery across the board. And so young people wanted to see change. And so when their candidate, Peter Obi, did not prevail, did not get a majority of the votes, it led people to question the technology and the way INEC used it. Mm. The INEC, that's the electoral body that ran the election, had promised to upload results immediately after they were all tabulated. That was the public's expectation. That was what had been promoted. And when that didn't happen, the gap in uploading the results has led many people to suspect that things may have happened between the time that they cast their vote and the final uploading. So people are questioning the credibility of the process because the technology failed. That's a big part of it. The second part of it was that this election was held against a very difficult background. There had been um, fuel shortages, which are quite perennial in Nigeria, but there had been a, a fuel shortage in the lead up to the elections. There had also been a decision by the government to change the currency, to upgrade and to renew the currency, which is called the Naira. So that meant a lot of people suddenly found themselves unable to get Naira because the banks were hoarding, the banks were not providing Naira. And so people didn't have money, they didn't have fuel, there were technological um, problems, and then there were logistical problems. The polls all opened late pretty much across the country. Um, some polls ran out of materials. And so the combination has really put a pale over what could have been a very good election. And so people are questioning the results now. So wow. Peter Obi's camp is going to court, and so has um, Mr. Abubakar Tiko's um, um, can't go into court. So we're going to wait and see the results. Um, but at the moment, um, the president-elect is Mr. Um, Bola Tinubu, and we'll wait and see what happens in the court. Well, and as a practical matter, Bola Tinubu won with about 37%, you know, a plurality, but man, it's it's got to be hard to rule with, you know, only 37% behind you. Absolutely. Um, he got about 37% of the vote. And I think the other two candidates got close to between six and seven million each. And so totally we're looking at only about 25 million people voted. That's a small number overall. So you have two challenges. The first is that the winner elect um, is going to have to really reach out and, and really try to bring in some of these other supporters, bring in people across the country to show that he really is, is to govern for everybody. So you've got this weak mandate to begin with. And of course, the challenges continue, the fuel shortage and a fuel subsidy, which has been a, an issue of um, debate for quite a while, is something that the incoming government is going to have to confront. Are they going to lift the fuel subsidy, which is costing the country billions of dollars annually? So he's got to deal with that issue. He's got to deal with the youth unemployment we talked about. And then, of course, broadly, the issue of security. Security is a, a big challenge in the northern part of the country, um, where we've seen um, Boko Haram and other religious extremist groups operating, kidnapping. You've got banditry in parts of the, the Middle Belt. You've got crime, broadly speaking, across the southern part of the country. So the issue of security is a big challenge, along with economic. So these are the things that, that the incoming president is going to have to deal with. And having a weak mandate 
means you're going to have to really work very smartly to build coalitions around these tough challenges. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough uphill battle. But, you know, at the end of the day, I would say Nigerians have made it very clear they want change. Young people want change. Wow. I mean, Ambassador, to hear you describe it, it, it makes me wonder. So they've got these election issues unresolved and these social uh, issues as well that they're dealing with economic problems. Is there a concern that there could be some unrest or, or I don't know, some disruption in daily life? Well, to the credit of all the Nigerians who participated in the election, they were relatively peaceful. I observed them in the middle part of the country where I think by and large they were very peaceful in the state that I was in, but we saw isolated incidents of violence. I don't think you could say it was widespread violence, but there were very, very concerning isolated incidents and at least one um, political assassination happened during the election time. So there really are concerns about violence always, but we haven't seen widespread acts of violence and we think the fact that Tinubu... um, um, Tinubu is reaching out and speaking a language of peace and reconciliation that will help to tampen down. And the fact that two of the candidates are going to court is another positive development. It means people are not necessarily taking to the streets or being encouraged to take to the streets, but all the candidates are being very responsible and are following the legal process to raise their grievances and to go to court. Ambassador Makila James, Senior Advisor within the Africa Center at the United States Institute of Peace. Ambassador, thank you. Thank you. Good to talk. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.